Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of Anthology, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. If this is your first time listening, Anthology is a podcast exploring science fiction anthology storytelling during television's first golden age, beginning with The Twilight Zone. But in honor of Black Mirror's new season that premiered on Netflix back on October 21st, I'm covering each episode of Charlie Brooker's technophobic sci-fi anthology series in this bonus episode series. You can find more of Anthology at anthologypod.com, and if you want to contact me, you can use the Facebook page at facebook.com slash anthologypod. You can tweet me at ObsessiveViewer, you can send an email to matt at ObsessiveViewer.com, or you can call and leave me a voicemail at 317-762-6099. If you like what you hear and you want to support the podcast, the easiest way to do that would be to go over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. The more ratings and reviews I get, the easier it will be for people to find the show in iTunes' search results and help me climb the highly competitive TV and film category uh, rankings. And if you're feeling particularly generous and want to show your support with your wallet, you can always donate uh, to the podcast at anthologypod.com. There's a donate button as well as a donate link in the show notes of this episode. Any donations made will help pay the fees to keep the podcast running Is an, and, and is incredibly appreciated. Today on the podcast, I'll be discussing Shut Up and Dance. It's the third episode of Black Mirror's third season that premiered on October 21st, 2016 on Netflix. And as I've been doing lately, I'm just going to read a brief uh, log line, essentially, from IMDb. When withdrawn Kenny stumbles headlong into an online trap, he is quickly forced into an uneasy alliance with Shifty Hector, both at the mercy of persons unknown. And as always, this review is going to be spoiler heavy, so if you haven't seen the episode yet, I urge you to go check it out on iTunes, or not iTunes, but uh, Netflix, um, and then come back and listen to my review. Shut Up and Dance stars Alex Lothar as Kenny, the the young man at the center of the story. Uh, He played a young Alan Turing in The Imitation Game. And co-starring alongside him is Jerome Flynn as Hector, who is, I'm sure, best known as Braun from Game of Thrones. Writer for this episode is William Bridges, along with Charlie Brooker. And William William Bridges uh, wrote a 2012 short film that starred Dan Stevens called Shallow. I believe it's about a... I want to say the like the prime minister hitting someone with his car. Um, it's something that I meant to check out and see if it was available online because it sounds interesting, and I'm a Dan Stevens fan, so I'll check that out uh, if it's available. If you can find it, let me know. And director for this episode is James Watkins. He previously directed The Woman, Woman in Black, and he co-wrote and directed an upcoming action movie starring Idris Elba called The Take, which the cover of that looks pretty cool. Like the poster that they have on IMDb for The Take looks pretty cool. So as I've been doing with this uh, review series, uh, at least with the new episodes, I've been kind of giving my initial thoughts after watching it a first time. And then I I go back and watch the episode a second time and compose my notes for the review. So my initial thoughts after the first viewing was that I really wasn't crazy about the whole blackmail slash thriller aspect of, of the episode. I, as I'm sure if, if you've listened to my other reviews, I'm sure you've noticed that I'm, I like my black mirror episodes to be, uh, full of unique tech based world building. I like it to be about technology run amok or technology that's forcing society to, to adapt to it rather than, um, uh, the other way around. And this episode was more contemporary and, um, on that initial viewing, it didn't really hook me that much. But having said that in my initial viewing, the twist of Kenny being a pedophile at the end was really great. I didn't see it coming at all. And it made this episode seem like, like it's season three's version of white bear which is something I really enjoyed, an aspect of it I enjoyed uh, quite a bit, which is a weird thing to say. I liked the part where the guy was a pedophile. That's that's a weird thing to say. 
So on to my review, um, my initial thought or my immediate thought upon starting the episode again was that the episode is really kind of of our time. Um, we have uh, kind of two of the big things about the episode is that it's about a hacker collective that's forcing these people to do things and blackmailing them into doing things because they have control over what they have, uh, their, what their secrets are online. And it also plays on our fear, fears of surveillance just a little bit here and there. Um, because we're not protected. We don't have anything you put online is subject to coming back and, and, you know, biting you in the ass and it's it's uh it plays on some of our collective fears as as a people in the modern day and the episode itself is about us losing control and or the characters losing control and being controlled by unseen entities and it's also about punishment in a digital world and and it has some bits about survival in it too it's kind of a hodgepodge of different things and it doesn't that's kind of a I guess a little bit of a ding against it because it doesn't necessarily have a, a really strong cohesive like theme or message or a message at the center of it. It's more of a, it's less of a statement about our culture and more of a thriller with a twist at the end. At least that's what I could, that's as much as I could ascertain from it. But that's not to say I didn't enjoy it this time. Uh, the second time watching it because man, I was so into this episode the second time I watched it and right off the bat repeat viewings of this season so far are paying off so, so incredibly well. And I, I have to think that that's by design. It's, it's really, it's really fascinating to go back and watch these episodes again while they're still fresh in your mind, because there are so many things that I'm picking up along the way that, um, I didn't, that my frame of reference for the episode, what, as I was watching it the first time, I, like my brain hadn't adjusted to the story. I, I didn't know the story. So there are some interesting twists and turns in the beginning parts of the episodes that, um, are kind of laying the groundwork for the big twist at the end. And I'll stop speaking vaguely about it and just get into it. The first scene of the episode where we see Kenny is, he is busting a table at his restaurant, and the first thing we see of him is he grabs a uh, he he picks up a little girl's toy car and hands it to her. And oh my god, watching that on the second viewing is so dark and and gross. Um, because on the first viewing, it makes us sympathize with Kenny. He's this compassionate kid. He's he's kind of shy and reserved. He gets he gives the kid her her toy, and he's very personable. And he's he's shy, but he's he's a good person. But knowing what we know by the end of the episode and watching it again, it's so much darker. And it's it's just oh oh it's it's gross to watch and. It just makes me think this show is just freaking brilliant. I, I love that so much that this show can make me um, completely change my initial opinion of a character upon repeat viewings because the um, twist at the end or, or the true nature of the character is disguised so incredibly well. And um, yeah, the, the way that they disguise the pedophilia too, they, they hide the pedophilia. It's not like it makes sense in the context of the of the episode because like that twist doesn't just come out of nowhere it's not a cheap a cheap twist to make us um to kind of thrill us and and leave a lasting impression on us they they did the work to make it um to make it lead to that in in a really interesting way and there's a lot of good misdirect too like his coworker um at the restaurant, she's kind of flirtatious to him, uh, toward him. Uh, she's around his same age. She's attractive and they seem to have some chemistry and she seems to kind of be into him. And, uh, that's, that's an effective misdirect for us because we, we would think that they would, that would be one of the things that he would want to get the, um, the video back from the, from the hackers because he doesn't want her to see him. And then, also just the mere fact that he's really young. He he's a teenager and that that fact alone really kind of subverts our collective idea of what a pedophile is or at least maybe that's not fair. Maybe it's 
it subverts our expectations for what a fictionalized pedophile on a TV show would be. Usually sexually depraved characters are depicted in TV and film, at least by my count, um, by older men that you don't really ever see, you know, teenagers being, uh, sexual deviants in, in, or at least pedophiles on, on film. It's, it's kind of rare. At least I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I don't want to think of anything off the top of my head. And it just, as the episode progresses, like he goes home and he flips out when his sister has his laptop. And that's really, that's really another thing that, uh, has a different spin on it when you watch it a second time around. Cause I mean, he's got a, he's got a browser history and stuff. Um, but he still flips out because, um, she installed malware on it. So it, it's justified, but also, you know, that underneath it all, when you watch it again, it's because he doesn't want his secret to come out. And when he brings a laptop back in, he puts it on his desk and then we get this nice, uh, POV shot from the laptop's perspective when he's removing the malware and, that alone is really cool and effective because it kind of sets a mood and sets a tone that makes us think like someone's watching him. And then almost immediately after that, we get a similar viewpoint, but it's actually from the viewpoint of the computer's um, camera. So it's, it's, it's different from the, from the POV shot in that it's actually from like the picture quality is grainy and we see that it's from, so that's our confirmation that we, that he is being watched. And it's interesting because he sees, we, we see him like that. And we, we suspect we see the POV shot that's outside of the computer. And we assume that like, we get the feeling that maybe he's being watched and then we get the view from inside the computer. And it's, that's kind of our confirmation. I, I liked that. And then the episode continues to lay the breadcrumbs for his pedophilia. Um, we see that the next day at work, he's, he's, um, clearing a table and he stops and pauses and he lingers at the, uh, at a kid's menu that's been colored in. And it's, it lingers on the shot just long enough to almost signal to us that there's something kind of weird going on. But then, uh, his, his, uh, coworker interrupts him and they have this little flirtatious thing. And, it's almost like if if you had that thought in your head or you had that alarm go off in your head that maybe something isn't right, like why is he lingering on this child's uh, child's menu and this coloring and the, the crayons and everything, um, but that's swept away because we're immediately into this character interaction that's kind of flirtatious and it's it's just it's really uh, amazing how how they were able how they're able to do that so effectively by misdirecting us but laying the breadcrumbs for us to follow to the twist at the end and like things like that and uh him handing the truck to the little girl um it just makes me really wish that I would have taken notes during my first viewing of of this episode and of the season of Black Mirror because this, the way that the show is subverting our expectations of, of Kenny and, and giving us a false impression of what the character is like before the big reveal is that the, the writing of the episode is forcing us to make assumptions. And we get to connect the dots for character development. Um, so I can't remember specifically if I, what my, what like those scenes registered with me, but I know that when he handed the toy to the girl, I thought, oh, he's, he's a nice, he's a nice kid. Um, he's a nice kid, friendly guy. He's kind of shy. He's a little reserved. He's, he's a nice kid, but then it just gets completely shattered at the end. And I like this episode, this show is just a great, um, this episode is, is a really great example of screenwriting and, and story structure. And it's, it's really, it's really pretty phenomenal. In going forward, all of Kenny's actions still have this darker meaning and darker undertone to them on a second viewing. Like when he puts the lock on his bedroom door, um, when he gets home, it's because his sister's a quote unquote thief, but it's also because he wants to hide his secret. Maybe, maybe the, him seeing the girl, the little girl at, this is so gross to say at the restaurant and lingering on the kids menu. Maybe this is his, 
this is his pedophilia kind of uh growing in him and it's it's becoming less less and less uh easy for him to it's it's becoming more and more difficult for him to push it down and ignore it um in the end of the episode where he says that he only looked at pictures it's it's such a deer in the headlights reaction it's such a yeah deer in the headlights reaction at least it seems to be that way because from what we've seen, these little moments here and there that I've pointed out, he's more, he is more deviant than he seems. He's, he's not this innocent kid who is just confused or, or what have you. He seems to be a little bit like a budding predator, even I would say. But then you could also maybe, maybe that could be a little bit of a, a harsh read on the character because you could you could potentially look at the flirtation with the coworker and the chemistry between them as him being kind of confused about his pedophilia but that's that's a pretty a pretty flimsy maybe on that because he doesn't really ever seem to engage with her um the way that she seems to want to she she kind of seems to be initiating all of the interactions and she's always the one that's kind of flirting and and stuff he's he seems maybe at one point like he's a little interested in her but it's not anything that he's actively pursuing in the episode or there isn't there aren't any examples of him actively pursuing it i should say and just to heap praise upon the uh the twist at the end even more it's just it's such a brilliantly clever twist to me he's so shy and reserved that his freakout when when they email him and tell him that he's that they have the video his freakout seems so perfectly in line with the personality that the that the show is is showing to us or having us leading us down the narrative of the character like he's shy and reserved so that freakout seems perfectly in keeping with that narrative of being shy and reserved but the true source of his panic is his secret being let out and it's so great because you can attribute either character trait to um how much he panics and it's just it's really well it's well done it's so well done and Alex Lothar the char- the actor he does such a great job in the episode he he delivers a really strong performance and what makes it so great is that it's almost completely dependent on him carrying and internalizing this fear and, and his panic as the demands escalate. He throughout most of the episode or all of the episode, he is, we are led to believe that he is a, a frightened kid who is at the mercy of forces that he um, is out of his control, who hold the shameful video of him. So he plays it like this kid who's very, afraid of what his identity is going to be after this releases and everything. But if you kind of look at it more closely, he's also terrified of his secret getting out and the secret shame that he has and this compulsion that he has uh, coming out and this, this deviant behavior that he um, partakes in it's uh, it's all there. And as far as the hacker collective is concerned, this kind of faceless group of hackers, or maybe it's a single person. I don't know. I, I, it wouldn't be a single person. It would seem to be a collective of people. That's maybe the weakest part for me. Um, I'm kind of, kind of lukewarm on it. I think that it's just mostly just personal taste for me. I don't really like the whole, like that whole plot device in, in TV and movies these days. It's kind of just an analog of anonymous and, it's just it's kind of getting a little tired to me in in movies and TV. Um, like a perfect example is I tried watching or I watched the whole first season of Mr. Robot and I just could not connect to the show at all. And that's the whole hacking aspect of it was a little part of that. But um, I'd be lying if I said that it wasn't part of it at all. So it's just something that's kind of tired with me. And I could take or leave it whether or not they expounded upon the group that's controlling the people in the in the episode or if they would have given more detail i i didn't need it and i didn't ask for it so i'm kind of glad that they didn't i don't know there wasn't anything that really engaged me with the with the hacker storyline 
um, except that I was curious how, where it was all going to lead and how it was going to be handled. But uh, I'll get to the end. I'll just skip ahead a little bit to the end here. But the the whole troll face thing was kind of I don't know. I'm kind of back and forth with it because of my first viewing of it, I thought that it was kind of silly and a little uh, a little silly. More so that they actually just did the stupid like internet troll face. I think it would have been more effective if they had like a specific black mirror, like a black mirror type of it, not like an actual troll face from the internet. But then upon my second viewing, it kind of seemed to fit a little bit because it is a very grounded episode. And I'll talk more about that later, but um, I could take or leave it. It, it, the group behind the text messaging and stuff was not a focal point of the episode. And it doesn't really deserve to have that much time spent talking about it. It's just, I've gotten kind of tired of the whole hacker and hacktivist storylines, I guess, in, in TV and movies. Cause this is kind of what it is. That That's kind of what it is here. It's this, um, collective of people that are doling out punishment to people that, um, have broken the law or done really heinous and disgusting things, and they're just kind of toying with them until they release the information and dole out justice to them. And it's fine. Just it's something I'm getting kind of tired of in media. So Kenny's first assignment where he is uh, sent to or he's told to go to the top of a parking structure um, on his bike within a certain time frame. And he he leaves work suddenly and he he goes and i really like the way that the uh his race to get to to get to that point i really like the way that it was shot we get a mixture of like point of view uh, cuz he's on his bike and we get a mix of point of view shots um a handle like a handlebar cam uh or that's pointed at his face. So we're kind of in, we're kind of on the bike with him in a weird way. And then also just a, a chase cam shot that's behind him. And the way that it's all edited together and, uh, handled is really, really effective. It's, it was really pretty thrilling actually. And I thought that it was really well done and it's kind of, it's something that's mimicked or, or I don't want to say repeated cause that, that has some uh, negative connotations to it, but it's something that's done Similarly, a, a technique is done similarly later in the episode when uh, Hector and Kenny are driving to um, the bank. And speaking of Hector, we get introduced to Jerome Flynn after uh, Kenny goes to the hotel with the cake that he got from the guy on the uh, in the parking structure. And I just I really like that they that the hackers teamed up Kenny with Hector, and it comes at a time where the pace of this episode is so kind of breakneck speed that at that point we, I mean, there's still some stuff that they could, they could have had a lot more of just Kenny doing his thing, but they chose wisely to have him team up with an older guy who uh, has, has a lot to lose in this, in this endeavor. And um, it has a nice partnership between them, between the two, this uh, kind of crazy happenstance partnership. And, uh, just <laughs> as a fan of Game of Thrones, it's just, it's a treat to see Jerome Flynn team up with other characters or with another character, like seeing Jerome Flynn partnering up with people in shows is always a joy, uh, whether it's a Lannister or a teenage pedophile. And around this time is when in my second viewing, I was really getting more into this episode, uh, more than I did the first time. The tension is just great. And the pacing, like I said, is really fantastic. And I was so like the first viewing, the first viewing, I was kind of a little not taken out of it, but I was a little, I was a little disinterested in it or disengaged by it because it didn't have like an overt sci-fi concept. It was more straightforward and more grounded in our reality than uh, than some of the some of the high higher episodes by my ranking. But the second time around, I I was much much less hung up on the lack of an overt sci-fi concept, and I was just more into the story. And I was really I was really digging it, and I was really liking uh, wh- how it was how the pacing was. I paid so much. Uh, more attention to the pacing of the episode because it's just 
It's just boom, 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 boom. We're going to different, different locations, different scenarios, different situations that these characters need to work themselves out of. And it's just, it's just bombarding us with them. Like uh, every few scenes, there's a different situation that they're in. And I thought that that was really, really well done. And as they're driving to their destination, which ends up being the bank, um, Hector kind of opens up to Kenny about the prostitute. And that's, I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, it speaks to how cleverly hidden the uh, pedophile twist is because we have Hector, who's this family man who was engaging in illegal activities to solicit a prostitute. And it's something that would literally destroy his life and, and ruin his ruin his life, take his kids away from him. The stakes for Hector are incredibly high. And at that point we have no clue that, that Kenny is a pedophile. We just think that he was caught on his webcam uh, masturbating. And, at this time in the episode, the second time around, I kept thinking, I should have seen that there was more to Kenny than just the masturbation plot. Um, because there is such a uh, disproportion to Hector's situation and Kenny's situation as it's presented to us. So that should have set up kind of a red flag thinking that there's something that's not quite right there. And it just didn't uh, come up with me. And I'm my viewing experience was all the better for it, but I was also so swept up in the story. Maybe not so much the first time around because I wasn't too engaged with uh, the plot the first time around, but I was, I was, I was on board with it. I was excited about what, where it was headed and I was curious about where it was headed. So I wasn't necessarily thinking that, but knowing how the episode unfolds and knowing how the story unfolds and seeing how uh, I have time to really think about the, the, dialogue between the two and the situations that they're in um it it almost set up a red flag and then we get this we get a bit of comedy injected into the episode which uh they stopped to get gas because the car that they have didn't have gas in it which which is fine that's that's a that's an organic plot development and or in an and an organic obstacle for them to encounter and I love the, I loved first of all the comedy the comedy of Kenny in the gas station because Hector has him pay for it so he goes in he's he's in line behind two women he opens the he opens the wallet and uh, like three condoms just fall to the ground with a loud a loud smack and I love that because it's a little bit of brevity in in the episode and it plays on this um, idea of. Kenny being this awkward and shy teenager and which also kind of reinforces our uh, perception of him and reinforces the fact that he is an awkward teenager and not anything more under the surface. So it plays in to the favor of uh, plays into plays into the misdirect of, of the twist and also the music in that scene. It's, I mean, it's a little bit on the nose. It's a little bit like this, this comedic beat is a little on the nose and a little silly, but I still laughed because the song that's playing is, um, I don't know the name of it, but it's, uh, just repeating the lines or repeating the lyrics. You've had a bad day over and over again. And uh, I shouldn't find it that funny, but I found it pretty funny. I thought that it was pretty, pretty, uh, pretty cute, I guess. And then we get to probably my biggest sticking point in this episode is that uh, Kenny leaves the gas station and he walks up to the car and he sees that Hector is speaking to a woman. And this whole thing just felt really flimsy to me. Um, she's a friend of his. She's going to a PTA meeting and like that, that in and of itself, that's, that's okay by itself. Him meeting her being in a rush to get, to get, into the car and back on the road and, and get to this, like they're all distracted, but she's, she's like exchanging small talk. The, the juxtaposition of that is, is good. I, I like that dichotomy there for in, at least in, uh, in short spurts, but then it goes a step further and she all but demands to get a lift from them to, uh, while they're on their way to the train station that uh, the alibi that Hector gives that he's has to get Kenny to the train station. And so she kind of insists on getting a, getting a ride from him. And I don't know. It's just, 
that whole scenario just felt a little bit forced and it felt like it just felt like well we need an obstacle um for them to encounter so let's throw in this lady who insists on getting a ride from them and i don't know it just it didn't land with me and the juxtaposition of them being criminals or or being in this intense situation and her being like a pleasant person who's just going to a PTA meeting and is miss uh like Miss PTA, she's she's really uh, a stand-up citizen. It's like that juxtaposition. I don't know if that was a comparison that the writers were uh, meaning to make, but if that was the intention, I just thought it was just meh. It was just it just didn't work for me. And then we get it goes even further. It it keeps going. Like Karen asks the lady. Karen asks them. Uh, or asks Kenny where he's from, and he says, "I'm from Birmingham." And then that launches into this whole thing where Karen's like, Oh, my husband's from Birmingham. What part are you from? Why don't you have an accent? All of it's, I don't know if it's the way that it's written or it's, or I don't know if it's because it's just so sudden and it's not like these questions aren't given time to breathe, but the tension in that scene just is really flat to me. It just was really did not land with me. And it mixes comedy with the tension and awkward humor in a way that just doesn't feel like it gels together in a way that's entertaining to me. And I like, I understand it. I understand that they needed something to keep them from repeating the, Oh, get from point A to point B scenario. They needed something to differentiate uh, the earlier scenes from uh, this from the earlier scenes because we've already had a sequence where um, where Kenny is riding his bike to to the parking structure. We have a sequence where um, they're driving and then they, re- they realize that they're low on gas. So they needed something to make it a unique point A to point B scenario. But it's what they chose is just it's it's a narrative detour that um could have been left out entirely or handled differently um like maybe this example would have been more cliche than uh what the episode sh- would have uh, been able to handle but if they would have gotten stopped by the police that would have been that would have been effective tension building but fortunately that's just a small moment in the episode because then they get to the bank and the idea of this of this faceless entity this this hacker collective forcing them to rob a bank is just really great it's uh at this time they've been doing these odd jobs here and there they've been having to do these weird tasks that don't really connect and then we get like this really crazy scenario where these people have the um they have dirt on these people that could ruin their lives and then they're forcing them into a situation in which they will, if they are caught or everything goes to hell and they don't succeed in it, um, they will ruin their lives. It's, it's such an, it's such a tense ultimatum. And (laughs) I love how, how, uh, Hector just jumps at the chance to be the driver and like he rationalizes it and says that, uh, well, you know, you can't drive yet or anything, but it's just, it's a funny character moment that Hector's like, well, I'll be the driver. Uh, you can go ahead and be the person that's most at risk in this situation. And at that moment, we actually get an interesting moment with Kenny in that he starts to talk about what he did. And he starts to talk about, um, the pictures that he looked up, um, the, like the true nature of the dirt that they have on him. And he starts to say, I only looked at pictures and it's kind of, it's almost like he is about to kind of spill his guts, but then Hector cuts him off, um, cuts him off and goes on and on about how, um, they have video of, of Kenny jerking off. First of all, it's, it's really great misdirect, um, because we almost get, we almost get the truth about Kenny, but then we're distracted by Hector, um, really hammering home the fact that they have video of the kid masturbating, uh, more than anything like that, like that's, it reinforces our perception of what, um, of what is going on and our, our, our ideal of what's going on or what we, what we're presented, uh, what the audience is presented with by the, by the show at that point. And it's just, it's really nice to kind of hide that truth in there. 
And I love how Hector is building Kenny up to rob the bank in his own weird, vulgar sort of way. Um, it's a really great scene overall, and it, it almost makes up for the uh, uh, detract uh, detracting scene with, with Ken, uh, Karen. And so we get Kenny going into the bank. And one thing that I, <laughs> I had to laugh at the first or the second time I saw it was that I thought that it was funny that that the group gives them yellow tinted glasses. So like they can't even give them dark sunglasses to further obscure their identity. They have to give like yellow tinted glasses. So the full face is uh, visible. Uh, it's just, it's really uh, like they, they don't give them any breaks. I, I thought that that was really funny. So Alex uh, Lothar's performance in the bank is again it's fantastic. He is he is a force in this episode. I love how shaky and unstable he is. That that alone that that uh quality to his physical performance in the scene is really great at building the tension because you don't know like his finger could slip and he could kill someone and it could all go it could all go to hell. Um but it's it's really terrific. And then we get the added moment of him peeing his pants which is really it's really great because it makes us sympathize with him more and it makes the impact of the ending um even more great um because we we get this we see this kid as an incredibly vulnerable character and then it, that rug is kind of swept uh, from underneath us and then we get a little bit of a of, of a uh misdirector we're led to believe that hector left him there because the car isn't there but then it's just a brief uh delay um because he comes down the alley it's uh, i mean that's okay it's kind of take it or leave it kind of thing so then they take the money and they go to a secluded place where the texts tell them uh to be and the way that they part when when they part ways it's kind of nice it's kind of sweet because they've been through hell together and um Hector seems to have some real compassion for the kid. Like he apologizes for the things that he said to him and, and being uh, kind of uh, high tempered with him. And it's kind of a nice like moment where these two people have been kind of uh, bound together by uh, this surreal ordeal. And they kind of wish each other the best of luck. And then they part ways because the text tells Hector to destroy the car while, Kenny has to take the money and go to a certain location. It's just, it's a nice moment for them to part ways in, in that, uh, in that manner. So at this point we have Kenny going into the woods and the episode takes special care to show him in the middle of nowhere. Like there, there uh, are shots of him walking in a completely open plane that has uh that's completely desolate and then we see him entering into the wooded area at that point we have no clue what to expect and i i like it it, it helped uh keep the tension high um as the things that were happening throughout the episode were varied so this is just another way for them to heighten the tension in a unique way in an episode that keeps height heightening the tension with different scenarios uh that are all varied from uh each other. It's, it's really well done, uh, writing wise. And so Kenny meets the other man or Kenny meets the man in, in the woods. And I kind of, I really love that concept of this group pitting these two together and forcing them to fight to the death and then revealing that they're both pedophiles. It's, it's an interesting way to go about doing that because they're having these people fight to the death in the middle of nature essentially and i think that kind of speaks to how how they're pedophilia because they're both they're both pedophiles and they they could be uh viewed as kind of animals and and predators and so the group has the hackers have put them into the middle of nature um to fight to the death it's it's a very primal kind of uh predator and prey kind of scenario uh between two people who are um to an extent predators from from what you can see or from what we're told it's just it's it's really it's really unique and the reveal that the man is a pedophile and the reveal that Kenny is as well is is really great um it's like Kenny is looking into his future and there's a re there's really great dialogue between them like the guy asks Kenny uh like cuz Kenny 
says again, I just looked at pictures, I just looked at pictures, and he's kind of saying that in a tone that's like, I don't deserve this because I only looked at pictures. And the man kind of like sees through him and all he asks is, how young were they? And then Kenny kind of gets ashamed or, or, or stunned a little bit. And then the man is just like, okay, yeah, let's do this. Let's fight. Um, just really, really great scene. I, I love that. And Kenny trying to kill himself. It shows, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, my first time viewing it was like, well, he's trying to kill himself. So maybe he isn't that bad of a person, but also he is a pedophile who, um, I don't know. I feel weird attributing anything uh noble to his to his actions because he doesn't want to kill the guy he just wants to kill himself but it's also more of a i don't know it's another twist in in the story that the that the hackers don't even give him a loaded gun although i'm not sure if it was necessarily not a loaded gun or if the safety was just on because i think when they take the take the uh, gun out of the cake the safety's on but i don't know so then we don't actually see the fight between the man and Kenny. They're just, uh, it's just a cut to all the chips falling, essentially. Like the other characters getting their text messages of the, of the troll face and revealing that the hackers are releasing the information anyway. And it's a strong ending. Um, even though I still think the troll face is kind of silly, um, it still kind of works because I think, like I said earlier, it grounds, it grounds the story more in our world um, and makes it more believable that it could happen today. And I guess it could happen today, honestly. Like, th- there's nothing futuristic about this episode. It's kind of in our own uh, in our own contemporary world, and that's kind of a scary uh, scary thought. And I feel like it's 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 nice that we don't see Kenny winning the fight because we don't need to. That's not what this episode is. That's not what this type of episode is. It's um. I mean, knowing the rules of the fight and knowing that they want to to have them fight to the death, um, we can see that he murdered the guy because he is the one that's walking away from it. He's covered in blood and he's walking away from the scene of it. Um, so we don't need to see the fight. We don't need the thrills of the fight. That would have been just really unnecessary because what our minds can conjure up about the fight is probably better than what we would have seen in the episode. And it would have been uh, disappointing to actually see it. It's, it's more about, that would have been more about the spectacle and thrills of them fighting rather than, um, seeing that Kenny just killed a guy. And I don't really think that I like that they show us a flashback to the woman in the car and and the guy on the moped when we see them getting their text messages. I mean, I get it. We only saw them at the beginning of the episode, but I don't know. So I guess it was kind of necessary, but I don't know. I think at this point I'm just kind of looking for nits to pick because I don't really have much negative to say about this aside from the Karen diversion um, earlier in the episode. But we learn from that scene that she's the, she's actually the C the CEO of the hotel chain of the hotel that Hector was staying in. And if you freeze the, if you freeze the, uh, if you pause the pause the episode when you see her computer screen, you'll see a couple nice Easter eggs um, with the news stories on the website because it says that the prime minister from the national anthem is getting a divorce, and then it also has a tab for an update on the uh, Victoria Scalene trial from uh, from White Bear. Uh, so I thought that was pretty that was pretty nice. I, I thought that was pretty cool. And it's kind of disappointing we don't really get to see what the guy on the moped did. Um, I think that's really the only character that we don't know what he was doing or why he was involved in all this. I think I hear the woman that's accosting him say, uh, or call him a sick, disgusting pervert, but that's really all we get. And that's kind of, not that I needed to, I'm not going to lose sleep over whether or not the guy who had like maybe two lines in the episode, um, finding out why he was involved in this. I'm not going to lose sleep over that. It's just... I don't know. I kind of wish it would have been a little more. I'm kind of curious about it. I'll say that. And so the episode ends with Kenny getting a phone call from his mom as he's walking away in a daze covered in blood after just killing a guy and having the worst day ever. Um, and 
the sound of his mom crying and talking about how he's looking at kids and yelling at her, um, that really brings the episode to an awesome ending because you can tell she's destroyed. Uh, she's just absolutely destroyed and shattered. And that really, um, that coupled with Kenny's just distant stare as he's letting everything sink in and, and realizing what's happened to him. Um, it's just, it's a really strong way to end the episode because his life is over and, uh, and it's just, it's, it's really, it's, it was really handled well. And then we actually end the actual episode, uh, with police lights and the police coming out and, and kind of surrounding him. And I thought it was cool. It was, it was a good ending. I liked it. So overall, uh, shut up and dance. Um, although it doesn't have the things that my favorite black mirror episodes have like a specific technological advancement that shifts how society operates. Um, I still enjoyed the episode a lot. Um, it's possibly my favorite of the grounded in reality episodes that we've gotten in the show so far. I'm thinking in terms of like white bear, although it's kind of neck and neck with white bear, um, in the national anthem and those kinds of episodes. And a lot of a lot of that, a lot of me preferring this over that over those is that this episode is filled with really clever writing and uh, and a really well disguised twist and really brisk pacing, and that's something that I really appreciate from this episode because the the episode has us assuming things about the character, and then it flips it flips those those assumptions on its ear on 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 its ear. And it's kind of similar in that respect to White Bear, but I think that it's a more magnificent magic trick here because it rewards repeat viewings arguably better than White Bear did. Because White Bear kind of is a shock because it is such a it's such a left turn because we see that she is going through all this and it's a shift in the reality of the episode. Whereas here it's just we have been given information about this character, but a very valuable piece of information has been withheld from us. And it's not until the ending that it's revealed. And that shifts our entire perspective on the, on the character himself, um, without completely adjusting or, or completely shifting the entire, our, uh, our perspective of, of the world. The world is still a grounded world. It's just that character has been retroactively destroyed for us. Um, and it makes us see him in a new light. And uh, as I've said throughout this whole review, the acting is terrific, particularly by Alex Lothar. He was really great. He was a standout in the episode in a very demanding role, and he did a fantastic job. And I, as for Jerome Flynn, I'm I'm really uh, excited to see him some in something outside of Game of Thrones, and he handled himself very well. He he had some really great moments in this episode and uh played the frenzied fear fearful guy who's afraid that he's going to lose his livelihood and everything in his life he's he's trying really hard to fix things and and get out from under the boot heel of of this faceless hacker group um he played that really well so the episode overall it plays on our fears of surveillance like i said before but that isn't the focus of the story. And I think at the end of the day, that works in the episode's favor. Um, we have this hacker collective that's doling out justice in its own way. And that plays on our sense of right and wrong to an extent. Um, the hackers can assume control of someone with blackmail and it's, it's a, it's a scary power to have over someone. And so I don't know, to, to an extent, I kind of wish that the episode did more did a little more and was, was more thought provoking in that regard, but it didn't detract from my enjoyment of the episode because as I said, the writing was fantastic and the pacing was, was, uh, really great. So in closing strong episode, I would rank it just below playtest for me when it comes to season three. Um, so far, um, even though I had my qualms with playtest, um, that episode just resonated with me more emotionally than Shut Up and Dance did. So even though Shut Up and Dance had some spectacular surprises in it, uh, Playtest still wins for me because it emotionally uh, was more emotionally resonant than Shut Up and Dance was. And that does it for my review of Shut Up and Dance. Um, 
as I've been doing the last couple episodes, um, Chris, uh, Charlie Brooker and Annabelle Jones have, uh, did a Reddit AMA a while back and there was nothing that I could see that really pertained to shut up and dance. So, uh, maybe next time I'll have more information from their AMA pertaining to, Oh, actually I know for a fact I'll have a lot to say. Uh, from the AMA because the next episode is San Junipero and I can't wait to talk about that episode. Um, I, I just can't wait. So stay tuned for that. And as always, you can definitely check out the main episodes of anthology where I'm reviewing the twilight zone episode by episode coming up on the end of the first season. And I'm really excited about it and, uh, really hope you check it out and enjoy it. And uh, that about does it for this week's bonus episode of Anthology. Thank you guys for listening, and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Anthology, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more episodes at AnthologyPod.com. And you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast app. If you'd like to help support the podcast, please take a few minutes to leave a rating and a review on iTunes. The more reviews I get, the higher the show will be ranked in iTunes search results, making it easier for people to discover it and grow the podcast. Of course, you can always email me your thoughts and feelings about the show to matt at obsessiveviewer.com. You can also tweet me at obsessiveviewer like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash anthologypod, or you can call and leave me a voicemail at 317-762-6099 for a chance to have it played on the show. If you like what you've heard here, I urge you to check out The Obsessive Viewer, a weekly movie and TV podcast I host with my friends Mike and Tiny. Also check out The Obsessive Viewer blog at obsessiveviewer.com where I write movie reviews, TV reviews, and the occasional editorial about the business of entertainment. If you want even more obsessive content in your life, subscribe to the Obsessive Viewer subreddit at r slash obsessiveviewer and check out obsessivebooknerd.com, our sister site for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious check out my friend Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com. Once again, thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you next time.